<laughs> anyway, uh, man, it's good to, good to see you. I missed you all last week. I, I saw several of you at the park, and it's always good, again, to, to be able to worship with a community around us, uh, churches around us. Uh, this morning, I want to start and do something a little different. We've done this before, and so um, uh, there's, there's kind of instructions uh, in, in the bulletin. Uh, on the outline, there's, there's a couple of instructions I'd like for you to follow. Uh, and it, it's not questions, but statements. Uh, number one is name someone who has been a good example of commitment. A good example of commitment. And then explain why. You know, it, I mean, what, what, what characteristic do you see in their life? I, I'd like for you to kind of share this around the people around you, next to your spouse or, or someone in front of you, uh, think of someone who's been a good example of commitment and explain why. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to do that. Uh, so everybody take a, a moment and, and uh, think of who those, that pe- those people are or that person is and, and then kind of say why. All right? Take a couple minutes. Who, who could not think of someone? Did, did everybody have someone as an example of good commitment? I just talked to Tom over here and said his wife was, and, and for several reasons. You know, his wife is a mom. Uh, she's in other areas where she's committed to. I think schooling and, and other areas. Uh, anybody have trouble? You know someone who is, is man, a person who's committed. How many, how many chose family, a family member? Raise your hands, okay? And, and, and so I'm guessing if you didn't raise your hand, if there's someone of commitment, you're thinking maybe an employer or someone you worked with or a, a friend or a buddy or uh, maybe some of those things. Um, the reason I ask that question is because within this story of Ruth, which we started a couple weeks ago, uh, within this story of Ruth, Excuse me, I'm really, I was up there in water and now I'm real thirsty. I don't know why that happened that way. Thank you, Tom. Uh, but uh, within this story of Ruth, Ruth is, is a great example of someone who has a, man, an amazing commitment. And I, I think that's one of the significant parts of this book. So I don't want to miss in chapter 1, verses 12 through, I'm going to read 12 through 18. Matter of fact, I'm actually going to step it up a few more verses so they might not be up here. I want to go back to 8. Because we didn't get together last week, we didn't get to remind you of the story. And this, this will take us back to the whole conversation that's going to take place. But in, in Ruth chapter 1, there is a, a layout of her commitment uh, for Naomi that I, I don't want us to miss. I, I think it's one of the reasons why this was re, uh, um, written down and in Scripture. Let me go ahead and just read that for us. It's R- R- Ruth Chapter 1, verses 12 through 18 is what, what's recorded. But let me start again. I'm going to start at verse 8. Then Naomi, well, let me, let me set this up too. Again, the story is this, that Naomi and, uh, Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their uh, two sons Milan and Kilian, they, they lived there close to Bethlehem. They were Israelites. Uh, it was a time of famine which Israel was experiencing because of their disobedience. And so this, again, is that during that time of judges, so troubles is coming because of their own 
uh, foolish uh, ignoring of God, ignoring of laws and things like that. So amongst this trouble, Killian, or no, except uh, Elimelech and, and Naomi moved their family to Moab. Uh, uh, let me just say this. Moab is, is not seen as kind of friendly neighbors to Israel at all. They were trouble in, in them getting into the promised land, and they continued to be trouble uh, for Israel. But they moved to, to Moab where there would be food and provisions. And in the time after they moved, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. And, and it says, like, in, within a period of 10 years after Elimelech uh, has passed, then Ruth and, and, I mean, excuse me, then, then Milan and Killian, they marry Moabite women. And within that 10-year period, both Milan and Killian passed away. So here are three widow ladies uh, who are, are, are together together. Uh, and, and, and so our story picks up with, with this, uh, that, that Naomi, the mother-in-law, has decided to move back home. She's t- decided to move back home. She's heard that, that uh, God is blessing once again in that territory, that food is being provided. And, and here's where we step up at verse 8. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back each of you. To your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I am, am I going to have more sons who come because your, because your husbands, become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Now, if you were with us two weeks ago, that's the point where we stopped. And we talked about Naomi's, uh, uh, Naomi's grief. We talked about Naomi even feeling like God was against her, which, which was not true. But in, in some senses, especially when we think about Israel and their disobedience, yeah, God was against them as a nation. But we'll find out there's more to the story of Naomi as we continue on. So let's pick up at verse, uh, verse 14. At this they wept aloud. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. 
and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Our focus again this morning is going to be on Ruth and this commitment. Now, there are all kinds of commitments, you know, uh, and, and definitely all commitments aren't the same. There are, uh, this morning you just shared uh, some significant people in your life who, who you, you uh, respected their commitment by remembering them, thinking about them, you know, how they kept their commitment. That we could probably do the same thing. We'll stop right now, and, and you think of someone who, who should be committed but did a bad job of it. Do you know some examples? I'm just curious. Anybody know some exa- examples of those who are very poor at their commitment? Anybody know any politicians? Yeah. Any, anything, some things like that? Uh, anyway, I, I think at the same place we could all come up with someone who, who is just maybe not as good at, at, at their commitment as, as they should be. Um, this morning, I want to talk, first of all, let's, let's think a little bit more about commitment. There are, first of all, there are commitments that are expected. You know what I mean? I, I already mentioned politicians. What, what should we, why should we expect them to be committed? Uh, they are elected officials, correct, by the people. And, and we would expect a, a politician to be mindful of what we think. Matter of fact, what direction that those politicians should take. I mean, we elected them for promises usually, and, and we would expect them to follow through with what's best for the people that, who elected them, right? But, right. So there would be an expectation for politicians. Military. Any expectations there for military people? Absolutely. Matter of fact, there might have been some sharing of, of someone in military that, that we're admiring, or, man, there was such commitment in that person. Uh, there's, there's a commitment to nation. There's a commitment to your, your uh, branch of the military, a commitment to the officers. And I know, and one thing I've seen here amongst uh, our guys, our military guys here, is there, there's commitment to each other and, and a closeness that's built there. So all that's expected of military. Uh, in your job, uh, I, I just say, think about your job. There's, there's a commitment that you have to your job. Now, part of that commitment is I get a paycheck, Right? And so there's an expectation that you're committed to your job, to doing your responsibility. That's why you receive the paycheck. There are, there are those of us who have uh, commitments to jobs that's more than that to us. You know, I, I would say teachers. We know a lot of teachers within this congregation. And, and, and a good teacher it does, does her job for more than a paycheck. She loves teaching. Or, or, or he loves teaching. Uh, medical field, the same thing. Or, or emergency services. Uh, there, there is that sense of commitment amongst those who have jobs. Even those janitor and, and others, there's, there, there's a commitment there. The, the greatest area of commitment to me is that family. You know, when you raised your hands earlier, how many of you mentioned someone in your family? You mean, you know, I'm thinking about mom. I'm thinking about how dad you know, worked late and, and, and provided for the family. And, and man, he was always there for this or that. Or it's either mom or dad. Or it could even be uh, you know, someone else in the family. But families, man, there's an expectation of, of commitment. I, I do believe that there is, there is a, 
eye of judgment and condemnation from a society where, where a, a parent doesn't parent. Or they're not showing that commitment to their children. If they neglect, then, then there's, they're, man, they're drawing the, the criticism of the community around them to look at them saying, what are they doing? Why aren't they caring for their child? Why aren't they, you know, they're not feeding them. They're not doing, you know, uh, different things. So uh, it is expected that, that you know, family is going to take care of family, right? I think that's where we find the three widows here, Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. We find, we find the three, they are together. Let, let's just say this. They did some grieving together. Are you familiar with that? When it comes to that process of grieving, how important family is to come together? It's so important for family to be together and, and to be a part of the grieving, to, to be able to, uh, to talk about the individual who's gone and maybe to, to smile a little bit about you know, some of the things that, that they remember or, and, and as they're shedding tears. I, I believe they needed each other through their grieving. But even beyond that, they needed each other to take care of one another. Uh, they, needed to, uh, they needed each other to, to continue to, to take care, care of each other's needs. Now, Naomi, in our passage today, Naomi made it pretty clear that she, and I do believe this came out of her heart, and a love for Ruth and Orpah. She had this in mind that here I am, I'm a widower, and I'm up in age. I cannot provide for you two. Now, maybe she could provide help with meals and, and things like that. But she could not provide some of the things that if they were to go back home that they would receive. So she urges Orpah and Ruth to go back home. You go back to your families. And, and, and that's, it, it's understandable. I, you know, matter of fact, uh, it, it, it really was out of her heart that she said that. It was, it was out of taking care of them. She told them to go back. Matter, matter of fact, I, I think it's like this. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life by staying with me. You go back home. And, and actually, it was Orpah who responded to that. Orpah responded and took that. And, and the commitment here is, is this. There's a commitment that is safe, and, and uh, it's also practical. I, I think Naomi made a practical and a safe uh, uh, instruction, or gave safe and, and a practical instruction to Orpah and Ruth. Hey, ladies, you need to go back home. Now, why would that be practical and safe? You go back home where there's provisions. You go back home to your families where they could provide for you. A family instead of this widow lady. While I go back, I'm going to go back home. I want you to go back to your homes where you could be with family. Also, what, what could be provided? It's more than likely that you will find another husband if you go back amongst your own people and to your family. Also, it's going to be safe. It's going to be safer. Instead of you coming back to Israel, you know, that enemy situation, it, it would just be safer for you to, 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 to go back home, not only to your people, but to your God, which was uh, Shamash. You know, it's, it's one of those foreign gods. But, but, you know, Naomi said, hey, go back. I want you to go back because there's provisions. There's, it's safety and it is about what's practical. You go back. Um, and, you know, we kind of do the same thing. When we make decisions, 
when we make decisions, we, we do things that are safe and practical. I, isn't that the way we do it? I, I, probably the best uh, thought or to, to, to uh, identify that is if you, if you were to move from your home today and, and you're going into a new, new city uh, for a new job, you don't know anybody, anything like that, how do you find where to buy a home? What are the things that are important to you? Well, I, I want to be in a safe area. Is that one of the thoughts? I, I want to be someplace. I want to be in a, what is it, good neighborhood? Who, who goes to look for a home by saying, hey, I want to go into, you know, I want to go in a drug-infested, just, you know, just, just a, a terrible area where there's a lot of crime. That's, that's, hey, that's where I want to choose. No one does that. I want to go into a good neighborhood. I want, to, I, want, I want my family to be safe. I'm also thinking about schools. If I got kids, I want to think about, you know, what school systems are going to be. And so you're checking that out. And, and, and honestly, that is good and practical. Orpa makes the decision to, to leave. Now, at first she says, no, I want to stay. I think there was love amongst all three of these ladies. There was a commitment. There's a family commitment that was there. But Orpa, only because... Uh, Naomi continued to say it. Listen, it is best for you to go home. She finally, weeping, she left and, and went back home. Uh, she did what was practical and safe for her and, and was going to also help in her, her future. Now, Ruth, on the other hand, refused to return. She refused to return, and she decided to stay with Naomi. She chose to commit herself to Naomi, matter of fact, which leads to, to really the point I want to make this morning. The, the commitment, the, the very words that, that uh, Ruth speaks to Naomi is a, is a commitment. You know, it, it's not a commitment that everybody makes. This commitment is one that is secured within a covenant. This is, this is a, a, a commitment that is secured within a covenant. You know what I mean by covenant? Well, let me go back to the words of, of Ruth right here. Ruth commits to Naomi, Naomi with a, a vow. I want you to hear this again. Do you hear the vow, the, the promises that she is making to Naomi in 16 and 17? She says, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Do you hear that? So it's not just like, hey, when you die, Naomi, I'm going to go back home then. It's, it's where you die, that's where I'm going to die, and that's where I'm going to be buried. That's, that's an amazing commitment she's making. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Does that sound like a vow to you? Like, hey, there's some promises. Uh, I, will, I will love, honor, and cherish you through riches, through poverty, through uh, uh, health, through sickness, uh, through sickness and health, uh, till death do us part. Do you hear it? Are, is that a familiar kind of some words in there that, that maybe perhaps some of you made that commitment? You know, in all sense, I, Naomi is making that kind of commitment with Naomi. She is really... Uh, whatever she had in life back home, all that is gone to her. Family, it is gone to her. Her family is Naomi. 
that my life is Naomi is what Ruth says in those two verses. And it amazes me. It amazes me what she says. And, and matter of fact, the reason I think it's even more so this, this idea of covenant is, is I, I looked a little forward. I'll take you a little bit for, farther forward uh, to, to what Boaz said concerning Ruth. This takes place in chapter 3. He actually says something in, in, in chapter 2 concerning, you know, what, what was so amazing about Naomi is, is how, I mean, what's so amazing about Ruth is how she committed herself to Naomi. That was so amazing. And, and he saw that and knew about that. But all, in chapter 3, verse 10, he says this to Ruth. He says, the Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, this kindness is greater than, than that which you showed earlier. Again, earlier is, is that commitment she made to Naomi. And later on, we'll get into that story, story later. But when he says this kindness, that word kindness translate, translated from the Hebrew doesn't do it justice. We, we hear that a lot, right? Uh, English really screws things up. But, but it, it becomes very specific when you get into the Greek and the Hebrew. Here, uh, the Hebrew word is hesed. And, and this word hesed cannot be translated with one English word. Matter of fact, let's put together a sentence of words. Here, here's what I, I read in, in, in this one reference. He said, this is a covenant term. This kindness that's spoken, it is a covenant term. Wrapping up its, in itself all the positive attributes of God. We're going to dive into that a little bit more uh, when we're looking at that position God plays uh, over this book of, of Ruth. But, but it says this attribute, this hesed, is actually an attribute of God. And as I said, num numerous words. Words like love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loving kindness, loyalty. It goes on to say, in short, acts of kindness that go beyond the requirements of duty. Right? It goes beyond expectation. It goes beyond, you know, requirements. It steps over. I think that's that word grace and love takes place in here. It, it, what, what, what was it that motivated Ruth? It, it, was, it had to be. The only thing we could say, it had to be love for her. She wasn't looking, oh man, uh, Naomi's great wealth. Uh, she had nothing. Matter of fact, when she returns home, she says, man, I, I left rich, I came back. I, I, I left full, I came back empty. And, and she had nothing, nothing to promise or give to Naomi. She, matter of fact, that's why uh, Naomi just said, go home, go home. And she refused. Instead, she made this great commitment. Ruth's commitment. Hey, here's the significant. Ruth's commitment is an example of the commitment that God desires from his people. I, I think it's a good picture of, of the kind of commitment that God desires from us. What is that? Again, it, it, it's that action in our lives that go beyond requirements of duty. Man, if... if, if if God and our religion is duty, then, then I don't believe we have any kind of connection with God. We enter into a relationship with him. He has approached us with that hesed. 
he's approached us with this, man, out of his love. It's been a pursuit, hadn't it? Out, out of his love, his sending Jesus. It, it has been a pursuit of you and I. That's why John, in, in, in his, one of his books, says, you know, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. And, and we have reason to do some celebrating this morning. There's a reason to singing praises. We have reason here, here a little bit to, to uh, join together in communion because of what God has done for us. What is your life? What is your life? Uh, we have the opportunity to respond to God who's loved us well, who's provided for us a Savior in Jesus. What is it that Jesus says about commitment in the New Testament? I think it's important to go here. He says something pretty strong about those who want to follow after Jesus. In Luke 14, verse 26 and 27, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow uh, cannot be my disciple. That's powerful. Matter of fact, uh, one guy said, man, he said it to shock people. He said it, to, and, that shocked, and it shocked me for a long time. I love my wife. <laughs> I love my wife. And I, I've really struggled with it because it says, if, hate my wife and my children. What? Really? That, does that not sound absolutely contrary to the Jesus we know? And you have to say yes, because he, he wants us to love our neighbor. You know, he wants us to love our neighbor in a way. He even says, love your enemy. And then in this verse, he says, hey, I want you to hate your father, your mother, your, your wife, your children. And for a long time, man, I, I wrestled with that because I felt like I was loving my wife more than, than God. How, how do I, and I ask myself, how do I do that? And, and it's not saying, okay, please understand, Jesus is not commanding you to hate your parents. Parents, wipe your brows, okay? If your kids are here, they're saying, they're going to take that home, right? Say, hey, no, Scripture says to hate you. You know, so it's okay, I can have this tantrum right now. No, it's not okay. Jesus did not command you to hate your parents. You guys are still at home, you got that? So don't come back to, and, and say, this is what I said. Okay. Jesus actually said that as a means of saying you cannot, I mean, love, God ought to be loved above everything else. Jesus needs to be loved and followed above everything else. Uh, Ruth, in her perspective, I'm leaving my family behind because I'm devoted to you, Naomi, is, what, is, is exactly a, a good representation of that. Hey, listen, I'm going to head to the mission field. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go serve in, in, in Africa and stay in, instead of buying that home closer to home. I, I, I'm going to go where God sends me. You know, that, that's, again, a, an action, a reflection of loving God above mother, father, uh, wife, and children. Now, the apostles, it's interesting. I did, did read this this week that, that uh, uh, Peter was married, and, and there was a reference in there where where. I think it was Paul said, or, or Peter reflected this idea of taking our wives along the journey. So they didn't leave them at home and neglect them, okay? 
I believe there was still that responsibility for the apostles that were married, that they were still married. They still tended to that responsibility. And it is a responsibility that we have. But in a relationship with God, we have a greater responsibility to love him more than our spouses. Wives loving your husbands. Husbands loving your wives. God first. Here's the wonderful response of that. Because I, I believe, why, why so much divorce today? I, I do think it's self-centeredness. In a lot of divorces today, do we consider God you know, in, in our relationship? I believe I have a stronger relationship with my wife because I'm a child of God. And, and I love him and I serve him and I want to, I want to walk in his ways. I, I learned to serve. I learned to love her in a great way because he has shown me a greater way to love. Less self and more for others, right? Isn't that the way God has loved us? It's been outward, not inward. Hey, in my marriage relations, it's all about me. Serve me. Do it for me. <laughs> and that's the world around us. But in a relationship that, that we have in Christ Jesus... It really is about you. How much I am to be devoted to you and to care for you and to serve you in this relationship. So that commitment that you make, the vows that you make, man, a relationship with God, that's why we say it ought to be a greater relationship because I love God first. The one who created me, the one who saved my soul. And guess what? I see my wife as a gift from God as well. How could I look at that and say, God, wow, what a blessing, what a gift you've given me and my wife or in my spouse. And my children, the same thing. What, how many of you don't look at and, and think of your children as a gift from God? They are a gift from God. How can I love anyone more than the one who's given me all that? And has given me the salvation through his son Jesus. It is a great call to commitment that we're given in Jesus. You want to follow me? Make me number one. That, that's another way to put it. That's a lighter way to put it. It's, that takes away the shock value. You know. But make me number one. God is to be number one. Jesus Christ is to be number one. In order for us to follow him. Do we understand that? Do we understand that? That's commitment. That's the commitment. Uh, again, there's various, even within the church, there's, there's probably various levels of commitment we have within the congregation with God. And, and so this morning, I, I challenge you to think about it. Where are you in your commitment with Jesus Christ? Where are you in that commitment? Is, is it that Sunday commitment? <laughs> Uh, maybe that commitment is growing. I hope it is. That, that's part of who we are. We want it to, wherever you are right now in that commitment, we want that to be growing. We want to be helpful in growing. How can we encourage you to pick up his word every day, to read it? Man, there's a guy in here this morning that I know, he, for years he, he used the daily bread. And, and I love the fact that he came up to me and said, man, I started reading his word. I got to tell you, that thrilled me. That absolutely thrilled me for him to come to know the word and he's had questions and and several of you have actually and i love the fact that we're a church i i believe becoming known that we're we're not afraid to read his word 
We're picking it up. We're reading it. We're taking it into our lives. That's part of this commitment and relationship. I want to know him. I want to know his word. I want to live his word. Why? Because he's more important to me than anything else that this world provides or has given me. He's more important to me. Where is that commitment? All right, there's different kinds of commitment. There's expected commitments. There's, there's a commitment that's practical and safe. And the world standards, Jesus is not practical and safe. I don't, th- I don't think, by, according to the world, there's a lot of people who are just not going to make that decision because, oh man, verses like I just read out of Luke, I have to be number one. Now that might not be very practical to some. And it not, might not be very safe because, you know what, he, he's calling me to do some things that I don't want to do. Less of me? <laughs> I, less focus on me? I, I mean, I have lots of wants and desires. <laughs> less of me? Uh, that doesn't sound good. Uh, and instead of moving into the nice, safe area, it might be into an area that, that needs Jesus. And you do it on purpose. That sounds very Ruthish. You know, a Ruth decision. I, I, I encourage you to read through her, uh, her words of devotion to Naomi. Uh, and, and, and to think about that throughout this week. Think about your commitment. Man, that, that is, that's a constant. for I, It's been a constant for me and, and just seeing it grow. Where am I in my commitment? What, what am I still clinging to? Is there something I'm still holding on to? Is there something that I, I, I failed to give up or, or continue doing that is hindering my relationship with him? Is there some, some love that I'm, I'm adorning with somebody else that ought to be belonging to him? Uh, there's several questions in there. I encourage you today, you know, throughout this week, today and throughout this week, to, to think about that commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what this table is about, that, or that's what the cup. I say the table, we, we haven't been taken from the table. Did you all get your, your communion uh, this morning? If you have that ready, go ahead and prepare by taking off that top and, and getting the bread. What Jesus did for us was God's hesed. It, it was his uh, covenant uh, relationship that he desired with you and I. Anyway, if we look at the world, we think, why, why would God do that? And you know the answer is because he loved us incredibly that he sent his son to die for us. Jesus, his body nailed to the cross on our behalf. It was nailed to the cross for our sinfulness. And, and therefore, we remember him today because that was for us. Let's partake. And then that cup, that juice that represents his blood. It is through Jesus' blood that we are cleansed from all the sinfulness. That he's the reason that we could walk around and say, I am living the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I'm learning to walk in his way. I am his child. And it is all because Jesus shed his blood for us. Let's celebrate that through taking this cup. Father in heaven, we, uh, we absolutely praise you for Jesus. We praise you, Father, for uh, Lord, the love that we know and understand because of the act of sending him and, 
and the sacrifice that he made upon the cross. Lord, there, there is no other reason. There's, there's no obligation that you had. There's no duty that you had, even though we're your creation, Lord, and it's stated that you love us. Father, our waywardness, our sinfulness, our, the fact that we've rebelled against you, Lord, there's, there's so many reasons for us to, to see why you would just wipe us out. Why you, uh, but instead, the, the fact is you've shown us your patience. You've shown us your grace. You revealed a love that goes beyond our understanding. And we give you praise and thanks for it this morning. We ask, Father, that you bless and strengthen each one of us. Lord, help us to think about where we are in our commitment with you. Well, how else can we, Lord, serve you? How else can we uh, pursue you? You know, uh, Lord, what, what are we doing with your word? Where are we in prayer? Uh, how are we doing connecting to the church? To, meaning, are there other individuals around us that we're growing with? Father, we praise you and thank you always for Jesus. We praise you that we are able to come to the place of commitment and a desire to love and serve you and see our lives reflect you. And, and Lord, be a part of that kingdom in this world to make its effect. Lord, again, we praise you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.